Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Hi, I'm Alex Jones from the Equity Foundation. As you know, I'm the Program Manager at the Equity Foundation, and today we, I have the great pleasure in introducing our special guest, Simon Whip and Asabi Goodman. Uh, now, before we commence, I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nations and pay my respects to all the traditional owners of country and all throughout our country and recognise their con- continuing connection to land, waters and culture, and that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land, and we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. I wanna take a minute to thank the Equity Foundation's principal sponsor, Media Super. Media Super has supported the foundation since our beginning in the early 2000s. They are your industry super fund and they can help you with your superannuation and provide you with financial advice. If you don't have the contact details, please contact me and I can put you in contact with the relevant people. There'll be time for questions towards the end of today's conversation. And of course, we never get time to uh, get through all the questions, so apologies in advance. Okay, so now please welcome Simon and Asabi, who is the Queensland Equity President. Good morning, everyone. Uh, and good morning, Simon. Thank you so much for joining us today. So I'm sure, as you know, this is a very interesting conversation that a lot of actors would like to hear your thoughts on. So I'm just going to kick right off and I'm going to ask you a few questions about the actor and agent relationship. So can you give us a bit of an overview about how you work with your actors? Oh, that's a big question to start. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's all about communication, I suppose. It has to be about communication. You have to, I think, both sides have to feel that they can trust the other to tell the truth about the situation. The job of the agent is to be as informed as possible of um, the lay of the land on productions or companies or whatever it is, and to be as honest as they can be with their clients about, you know, what the situation is with the with respect to the lay of the land for their client with respect to all of that, with respect to all of that work or potential work. You know, the job of the, the client, I think, in that, I mean, the, it's fundamental that the client understands that they drive the relationship. They are the principal, legally, they are the principal in the relationship. You know, they, we are there to serve them Um, and it's their job to communicate effectively with the agent and it's the agent's job to communicate effectively with the client but I think the starting point is the client shouldn't approach the relationship as as many clients do I think particularly at the beginning of their careers as as though the power relationship is actually reversed that the power is with the agent. The power, it should not be that way. The power is and should starts with the client and the client, you know, brings who they are and their skills and, you know, to the relationship. And it it is their job to drive drive that relationship, to ask questions, to, you know, to be knowledgeable, you know, to, you know, to to probe, to whatever, you know, so I don't know. So that's very interesting. So would you say that the majority of the work that your clients, I guess, pursue should be on them, the owner should be on them to find that work? Or should there be some sort of a symbiotic relationship between them and the agent? Oh, no, it's a symbiotic relationship. You know, just as there's an obligation on on us to become, you know, to be, and indeed, more than likely, we, the agent will be more aware of the work available than a performer is. Um, And they should be, that's their job, you know, but at the same time, performers should equally try and become aware of, you know, what the companies are, what they're producing, 
you know, so that there can be a conversation, a meaningful conversation, what the roles in particular plays are, you know, that it is all about driving the relationship from the performer's perspective, you know, knowing what the roles, you know, all of the companies announced, the theatre companies announced the plays that they're performing. Part of being a performer is being aware of literature, you know, being, you know, if you're wanting to be in theatre, having an awareness of, of plays and, and the roles that are in plays that might be, you know, might be suitable for them. So, yeah, but, you know, there's a, the, the agents, due to the fact that they're working in it every day, will have a, have a better awareness of, of what is happening. And then it's all down to communication. I had clients, you know, saw that STC is producing Death of a Salesman, you know, at the end of the year, and that was announced over the weekend. This morning, I've got a number of clients who've emailed me to say, have you heard about what's happening with this role? Have you heard about what's happening with that role? Blah, blah, blah. That's all welcome, you know. And we'll go back and, you know, say, we've heard that role's on offer. We've heard this is, you know, that role's still open, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Mm. Well, that's good. So, basically, it is quite good as a performer to be abreast of what's out there. So, you can then Absolutely. agent and say, I want mm. to do this. And yeah. So, now, let's, let's go back just a little bit. When you're taking on a new client, what sort of things are you looking for? What, what kind of actor would you want to work with or would you say agents want to work with? Are there specific things that you look for? I can only speak for me. I can't speak for, and I suppose maybe for our agency more generally, I can't speak for other people what they look for. I mean, I, I you know, Alex knows probably more than anybody, um, Alex Jones, that is, that I'm a crybaby. So I always look for someone who moves me. You know, that's, you know, it's fundamental. Um, I mean, the, the nature of, of what a performer does is that they should move you in some way, whether it's to tears or to laughter or, in, or to thought. You know, it's, it is, you know, that's, that's what the job of an actor is, I think, is to move. So that's a starting point, you know, for me. And then um, it's then also about looking at what I think, you know, from an agency perspective, who we already represent and where we may have holes in terms of what the market is looking for. You know, if the market is, if the acting market, in inverted commas, is looking for more of a particular thing and we don't have it, then we should be looking to find that so that we can represent people who are working in that area. Yeah. Right, makes you a bit more marketable. Wonderful. So now I'm, I've got a question and as an actor, I am working with lots of actors. I do tend to hear this often. We tend to hear that, you know, the comment, the same actors are being used over and over again. Um, what are your thoughts about that? And, and do you have any advice for those actors that are trying to break through into the industry? Um, look, I, I don't, um, I mean, I think we've all, we, you, you, everyone sees it. Um, there are, I think, to be, to be, I mean, there are a number of ways it can be looked at. If you're an actor who's fortunate enough to benefit from that, then obviously that is something, you know, which is a positive for you. If if you're not fortunate enough, then it's um it's obviously not. Um, but it's a human thing. People like to work with people who they know. People like to work with people who they trust. So it's about, you know, and what you see is when an artistic director changes in a company if we're talking theatre, for example, then those people who were known to and liked by the previous artistic director can all of a sudden be on the outer and people who are known to the new artistic director can move into the inner. So for me, the salutary lesson of it is, is about, you know, doing what you can do in theatre, if we're talking theatre, and that is looking at other ways in. So for example, if you're in Sydney, looking at doing things with red line if you're in melbourne looking at doing things with red stitch and so on there are other ways in to the becoming known in the in that world is you know you you may not be cast immediately as julius caesar at the melbourne theater company but you know if you're working with um if you're working with red stitch they'll have directors who are up and coming 
if you're working uh, and so on. So it's that type of thing about finding a different way in, doing things like, um, you know, I think, and, and it is a long game, you know, doing things like the short films that, you know, that the after students put on at the end of the year, you know, those are new up and coming directors being involved in that. It's a long, it's a long game. It's not a short game. Hmm. And well, moving on with that, sometimes actors can feel that they're not being put forward for uh, work, certain bits of work. What, how would you, I guess, advise them to voice those concerns? You mean their agent isn't putting them yes, forward? Yes, yes. How would you? So, for example, well, they sh I think they should be blunt about it. You know, in a, in a, you know, there's another way than saying, "Have I been put forward for this?" You know, but in a, in the nicest possible way. But just, you know, I, I also think if that's how you feel about where your relationship with is with your agent that you don't trust, then there's a fundamental problem there, and that has to be explored. I think because it's obviously in the agent's interest for their actors to work. So. I'm not sure where, if there's a feeling from a, a client that they're not being put forward for something, then there's some there's a problem with that relationship. Either if the and if the agent isn't putting them forward, it doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me why they wouldn't. Because if if they're appropriate, you know, or have a chance, a shot at a role, then our role, our view here is if a client has a shot at a role, then they should be suggested. That's right. And ultimately, yeah. it, it is to the benefit of the agency. Yeah, absolutely. As many people as they can for a particular role because you never know. Yeah, that, exactly right. that one person. Particularly at the very beginning stage, often the producers don't know, the director doesn't know, you know, exactly what they're looking for. Some of that comes out of the audition process sometimes. They see something in the audition process and say, and, and then that then leads them in a direction with that role, you know, and then they start to narrow their thinking. Um, so, yeah, um, from that. So, yeah, I think I don't, I, I don't, if there's a, if, if an actor has a, a fear that their agent isn't submitting them for work, then I think that's a, that's a conversation that needs to be had with the agent. Agreed. Now, this is a question, Alex was telling me that this next question is something that a lot of actors sometimes are afraid to ask. So they might ask it anonymously, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, <laughs> what is the protocol for switching agents? So if you do find that the relationship with your agent just isn't working, What's the best way to go about switching agents? And, and even, if, even if you just feel that you want to move to a newer agent or say an agent that you feel um, has more access, how would you go about switching? So let's say you, your current agent is fine, but you, maybe you've been approached by another agent. So how would you go about switching agents? Mm. Um, well, it's not really kosher for agents to poach. Um, so that's the first thing. We wouldn't actively go out and, I mean, there are a lot of people whose work we admire who we don't represent. And it's not really kosher for us to go out and say, oh, we'd love to represent you, you know, um, would you be interested in coming on our books? I don't think that's appropriate. So the, the starting point, I think, and it comes also from the, from the, nature of the relationship which I talked about before which is that the performer is in the box seat they drive the relationship the starting point is the performer I think it starts with honesty and transparency so I think before you were to leave an agency I think you need to um, express all of your view everything that you're without necessarily I suppose saying I'm thinking of leaving but make sure that you have expressed all of your concern. I don't think I'm being put up, or whatever the concerns are, I don't think I'm being put up for work. You're not communicating with me the way I, I would like or um, whatever the concerns are. All of that needs to be, I think, explored and, um, and either resolved satisfactorily to the performer or not. Because it, the one thing I would say about that is if you're not prepared to do that at that point with that agent, then if you move on to another agent and you're still not prepared to have that frank conversation, 
um, then it's not going to be any better. You know, I don't, I don't see it being any better. So the starting point is communication. It's to give, you know, your existing agent a chance to, you know, and the relationship the best possible chance. If you've made a definite decision to leave, I mean, I would always say that I think it's, I mean, for me, it's a lifetime. I mean, the way we don't take anybody on who we don't think we want to represent for their career. So it's like a marriage. I, I know some people don't feel like it, it is like that. But, you know, so I do prefer when someone, you know, just has decided for whatever reason that, you know, things haven't worked, that they come in and talk about it uh, with us. You know, there's a lot of emotion attached to it um, from, both, from both sides. Yeah, um, that's very true. And I think um, it's, it's better to have a conversation than a, a, an email message. Um, you know, would you dump a, a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend by text message? Well, I know some people do, but it's not the, it's not the desirable, I don't think. And, and I think um, it's the same you know, I hope that's certainly how I feel. Like you, as an agent, you're very, it's a very personal relationship and you're in people's lives and they're in yours. And, you know, um, and um, I, you know, I would hope that it's a, something that's done personally. It's not something that you need to do before you explore the possibility of, you know, what other agents may be out there to represent you. I don't think, and I, people, people certainly do that exploration while they still remain represented by, their current agent. And obviously it's just in essential that you make it clear to those who you are seeking to meet or meeting that you are currently represented, but you are looking to leave, you know, just so that the confidentiality of that, because obviously it is a confidential thing and you, you wouldn't want it to get out, is maintained in any age, anyone who approaches us on that basis, obviously we would maintain that confidence. Yeah. yeah. Is that clear? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's very mm -hmm. clear. I, and I agree with you 100%. Um, it, is, it is a relationship. It's, a, mm. it's like having a loved one. Yeah. So, yeah, no, 100%. Mm. Now, I want to talk a little bit about showreels and, sh and self-tapes. So obviously, over the last year with this pandemic, we've been doing a lot of self-taping from home. Um, in your opinion, what is a casting director looking for? And in terms of a self-tape and what makes a good self-tape oh god <laughs> now and you don't have to give us you know just maybe give us a few points because I, this is not a self-tape seminar so just a few points what would you what sort of advice would you give um well i often advise clients when you're not in the room you don't have the benefit of the actor the casting director's insight into the role and the production I often think, but, and so when, if we step back a second, if you're, if you ha, if you are going into the room, usually what will happen is the casting director will say, okay, do your thing. The actors will do their thing. And then the casting director would say, well, have you, that's great, but have you thought about maybe this here or that there, or could you do a bit, you know, could you, you know, make it, could you make the character a bit, could you stress the anger a bit there in that on that line or whatever? So I always think, given you're not given that opportunity, um, offering a couple of alternatives um, is not a bad idea. I don't know what the casting directors think of that, but certainly my view is giving a couple of offerings is not a bad idea. So uh, that's certainly if there are, you know, and there usually are, you know, a couple of ways in which a, a particular scene could be played. So. You know, if there are five scenes, I wouldn't necessarily do it for all of them. But, you know, because that then becomes an enormous burden for you and for everybody. But um, if there are, if there are a two or three scenes, then why not give a couple of options for each scene? What we try and do is get some notes from the casting director on the role and on the, how they would want the scene played. Sometimes that's possible. Sometimes that's not possible particularly hard in comedy, I think. So certainly with comedy, often, you know, you want it. Getting a full script, I think, is important, you know, when you're self-taping at home, just to provide you with more context for the scene. That's obviously, you know, a question which you should ask your agent. Can, can we get the script for this? 
um, we're, you know, I would expect that question to be asked of me if we haven't provided it. So um, often with American work, it's not possible, uh, but, you know, with um, Australian work, it usually is. So, you know, I, I would always ask to see whether you can get the full script because that at least does provide some context for the scenes which your character is performing in. Um, I don't know. It's, I, think it's, that, I think that's pretty good. That's very okay. cool. Especially if you're given a self tape and it's one line <laughs> or just yeah. I've seen mm. those before. Um, now on show reels, what, what exactly as a, a casting agent are you looking for on a show reel? And how long would you expect a show reel to be? To be honest, you know, I, it's been a long time since I've. Um, most people who send material don't send show reels. Um, most people send, and indeed, as an as an agent, we're not really recommending that people do show reels anymore. People do, on the whole, send scenes, either scenes from work in which they have performed, or scenes which they've put down for Australian and/or American work. Um, to be honest, the starting point for me is always Australian work, so. I'm usually less interested in seeing something that someone's put down for an American production um, and more interested to see something that they've put down for an Australian production. And uh, yeah, but it's not so much all the, all the razzle dazzle that people used to, money that people used to spend on, you know, put, getting music done and editing and this, that, and the production on a showreel. We don't, we're not normally recommending our clients need to do anymore. We're, you know, put a few scenes together. You know, this is in terms of what we're, you know, telling our clients to do, not for finding other representation, but rather for, you know, in terms of looking for work. Um, put a few good scenes together. It's a, an example of your work, then that's more interesting. And in terms of people who approach us, that's more interesting as well. You know, seeing a, a full scene, something that they've put down or something that they've done in a, in a, in a, film or television production is more interesting than seeing two seconds of this, two seconds of that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. All right, I wanna talk a little bit about working overseas, actors who aspire to work in the American market or in some cases. Um, how do, and I know Shanahan's has a number of actors on their books that do overseas work. Hmm. How do you manage that? Like, do you have an agent overseas that you work in tandem with? Um, how is that managed? Yeah, we work, you know, we have a, we have a, um, well, first of all, it's about setting up that relationship and it's providing, again, it's about the agent and the performer communicating effectively about um, when is a good time for them. I mean, at the moment, it's not a good time. <laughs> um, <laughs> So many US agents and managers are actually shedding clients um, because of the fact that um, there isn't much work there. So it is about also communicating effectively about when is a good time, both in um, uh, from an industry perspective and when is a good time for the particular client. Um, and then, and then it's about you know from our perspective about saying, well, look, these are some people who we think might be good for you to meet. Um, are you interested to meet with them? Go and meet with them. And uh, some of that actually has happened via Zoom since COVID. Um, and some, there have been, in a very few occasions, some people have taken on representation in the US <laughs> via Zoom. I, to be honest, it's, it's a relationship which I think is best done in person. So it's important. I think it's important to meet someone in the flesh. Uh, but, you know, for whatever reason, for a couple of people, it's not been possible and there has been interest and so on. So things have moved forward. Um, but I do think you get a better gauge of who you like and who's responding to you when you're in the flesh. And then, um, yeah, it is a team. It becomes a team. So you have people working for you in the US and people working for you here. And it's about effective communication between everybody you know, your agents over there, your agents here, and you, you know, so everybody is kept in the loop about everything, yeah. And what advice would you give to, say, the working Australian actor, I mean, obviously, present climate notwithstanding, 
um, the, that working Australian actor that wants to transition successfully to the American market? Uh, I think everyone's journey is different. Um, I think some people decide they want to go and sit out over in LA and work illegally, probably, um, you know, and with all the risks that that brings about, you know, the potential for future visa status and so on. And some people decide they want to do it from here and um, submit tapes and when there is interest, if there is interest to, you know, go over to the, to the US to work as and when those jobs arise. So I think everyone's journey is different. I certainly don't counsel people to go and sit over in LA and work illegally because I think it is fraught with danger and um, for the long term. Um, if you're discovered working in a, illegally in the, in, a, in the US, then your potential to be, your potential for your future visas to be compromised is um, very real, yeah. And mm. I, I know someone that that has happened to, and it's quite tragic. Yeah. She, I don't even think she can enter the country because mm. she was there illegally for a short period of time. Um, so we're, we're getting close to time, but I do want to ask a couple of questions. So obviously we have been dealing with COVID the last year and a bit, and we Australia has done quite well in this climate. And so we're starting to see a lot of uh, foreign productions come over to Australia. What sort of long-term impact do you see that having on us? So right now it's quite good because we have all of these productions here, but once they get their home countries back under control, they could leave. So what, what's, what are the long-term impacts that you might see? Well, it's the same, you know, as... Um, it's the same position I took when I was at the union. I think foreign production should always be icing on the cake. And uh, you know, the what is what we what we can control here is domestic production. You know, um, so it's important the campaign the union's running at the moment for um, there to be uh, quotas on streaming services. You know, that's something that we can control here. Um, we can't control what the exchange rate between um, the US dollar is and the Australian dollar. We can't control um, how effective the vaccine, the COVID vaccine um, eliminates the virus in the US market and therefore means that less production will um, uh, um, be on Australian stores. Sure, people should take advantage of it while it's here and it does present you know, opportunities for people that may not otherwise have been the case. But I think we need to be mindful that it should be seen as icing on the cake. It is not the cake itself. Um, the cake is Australian production and that's what we need to make bigger. It's wise advice, wise mm. advice. So now before we open it up to questions, I'm just gonna ask one last question about diversity. So again, in this last year, we have seen the awareness for diversity in media increase. Um, do you feel that, that's, that, that we're changing fast enough, that we're, we're starting to see a lot more diversity specifically in our domestic productions? Well, it, it, it's taken a long time. The union started its campaign for diverse, diversity in casting in the 1990s. Um, and there were a series of um, reports done by the union on um, diversity through the 1990s and into the early 2000s. Um, and it has taken a very long time. It's changing. Some productions are changing faster than others. I don't know what the statistics look like at the moment in terms of you know, um, representation. And that was where um, the union's um, focus was in terms of the reports that were done. How accurately was Australian diversity in the community being represented on screen? Um, and, um, and uh, you know, at the time those reports were done in the 1990s and in the early 2000s, there was no, it, was, it was completely unrepresentative. As an agent, it feels like um, 
there's been a significant shift in the last two or three years, uh, very much so. But in terms of that's just anecdotal, it just feels like, you know, there's been a significant shift and uh, that feels good. And it, and it also opens conversations about thinking, which maybe weren't there before, um, you know, uh, if someone casts a a non-Anglo actor in the in the role of a father in a family drama, is the intention to cast the entire family that way? Mm -hmm. Is the intention to be completely non? Um, is, is the intention to be completely colorblind, which is obviously another way of going? And so there are. Um, there are a whole host of conversations which can happen now, which would not have happened five years ago, you know. So there's a production which I'm dealing with at the moment where one of our clients has been cast as the lead and, you know, I said, I've said to the casting director, well, what, what is the thinking here? Is this going to be an entirely um, non-Anglo production or is the intention going to be that you're casting colorblind and all roles are open for all ethnicities, you know. And so that's, it's, a, it's an interesting conversation to be had. And obviously artistic directors are thinking about it. Producers are thinking about it. Um, yeah, so it's, a, it's, it's good that the conversation is being had. Yes, yes. And mm. I think it does make for um, a very interesting story when you do have that mix of diversity and blended families and that sort of thing, because it, it does reflect what we see. It, yeah. it, it reflects what we see. So mm. yeah, I think that's fantastic. Um, well, thank you, Simon. I'm, I'm going to turn it back over to Alex so we can have some people ask some questions. I'm sure they'd love to have your advice on. Okay. David. Hello. Hey, going, Simon? Good, how are you? Good, good. Um, uh, calling in from Adelaide. So uh, I have a quick question for you. Submission reports, what's your opinion on uh, providing submission reports to actors, say from casting networks? It seems that uh, agents are very reluctant to give the actors a copy of their submission report when they ask. Um, I've never been asked to provide a submission report, but mind you, not everything is submitted through casting network. Some things are submitted through Showcast, some things are submitted through casting network, some things are done by email. I think, look, I, I've never been asked to provide one, so I don't know. I, I've never been asked to provide one. I, um, I think it comes down to communication and I think it's about, it's not necessarily about the submission report. In my head, it's not about that, but maybe it's more about, it's come back to the question that Asabi asked, have I been submitted for that role? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I haven't been asked to provide one, so I don't know. And I, I'm a te technological troglodyte, as Alex knows, so. Um. Yes, it's just that trying to get that knowledge of knowing what roles you have been submitted for. So yeah, you sort of look I get at, it. Um, mm. you know, why am I not getting auditions, for, for mm. example? So, okay, cool, thank you very much. Yeah, but it is, it, I think it's down to, I mean, I think, I think you've got a right to know what it is that you're, um, agent has submitted you for what you've been suggested for and I, so I, I, I wouldn't necessarily see it as a yeah I, I shouldn't I wouldn't see it as a problem if someone asked me for one cool yeah. thank you hi Simon hi uh, thank you Asabi I'm calling in from Adelaide too and my agency here has just um, closed its doors my agent has retired so I am seeking national representation. I think that was on the cards for them to be closing anyway. So I was putting my feelers out a while back. Um, so will you represent me? No, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I, I have some direct contacts with some agencies in Sydney and Melbourne, direct emails, etc. But to spread the net wider, it's literally going on a website, looking at a generic email and hoping for the best. Um, and so is it, is it worth even doing that, being really, really honest, like just sending it to info at Shanahan's or whatever it may be? Uh, and, and if that is the case, like what do you, you know, what, what gets the attention in, in, in a submission beyond, hey, here's my showcast link or my resume or, hey, this is, you know, do you lead with an award or what, you know, what, what, what is it that, that, that sparks the attention or gets the attention of the, the intern or whoever's reading those the, the, those emails. Everything that gets sent to us is submitted to all of the agents. So all of the agents see all of the client 
all of the potential clients work. I mean, it would be, what's the word? It would be um, stupid of us to uh, <laughs> not look at the material of people whose work, um, you, know, right. who, you know, so if someone's gone to the effort of, um, you know, sending an email, then, then we review it, all of us. There are four acting agents here. To be honest at the moment, to be very honest at the moment, um, you know, COVID has, mm. has, has meant that um, we're not really looking, I mean, we didn't take anyone on from NIDA this last year. Um, you know, we're not really looking mm. for, because there is a sense of, well, we've got existing clients, the, the vast majority of whom have not worked for the last year. Mm. And our primary goal has to get them back and working. Um, mm. But, you know, if an agent is not looking at showreel material that's being forwarded to them or scenes that are being forwarded to them by potential clients, then they're stupid. Mm. would be my humble view. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I th I'm, I'm, I'm under no... You don't idea. know what you're missing out on if you're, if you're, if you're not looking at it. Yeah, of course, mm. of course, yeah. And I'm, I, I totally understand the fact that it's the probably the worst time to be seeking representation. Yeah, it's not a great time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Just a really quick follow-up. Do you think it's probably best just, you know, to remain freelance, write to casting directors, you know, ADs, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and just, just represent yourself essentially um, and do the work? Look, I think if you can find an agent, it would be probably better to have an agent than not to have an agent. Mm. Um, I, yeah, so I, in the first instance, I'd go through that. And I know Equity has a list of, you know, emails for agents. Um, hopefully they take the um, uh, same approach we do, that they will look at everything that came in. If, if you're not successful in that regard, I wouldn't take it as a, you know, as a, as a, as a slight or a discouragement because I think now is a really bad time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would then look at um, uh, I would then look at representing myself. I, I mean, in terms of how you do that, I don't know. Is there? Do you do a seminar on self representation, Alex? No, that's probably, probably good one. that's probably is probably one that is worthwhile do. doing. But certainly, I know speaking with the because I spoke to some of the casting directors here after we spoke with the um, NIDA graduates at last year, who many of whom, you know, weren't um, successful in uh, getting agents because many agents had the same position we did. And, mm -hmm. and, and the casting directors weren't opposed to being approached directly via their um, general email about, you know, if you're, if you've got, if you become aware of a role in a particular production and, you know, you think you're, you write for it or a particular or there is a particular production that's casting that you think is good in your area you know there's a surfing there's a production that's being for example there's a production that's you know shooting and the subject matter is surfing and you're got surfing skills then I'd be emailing the casting director saying I heard you're casting this production so you know I can surf blah 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 or horse ride or you know whatever the skill is yeah and certainly the conversations I had with them about NIDA students at the end of last year was that none of them, all of them understood that this is a really tough time for actors without representation and all of them, and none of them said they would not welcome a being contacted directly. Yeah. Mm. Great, thank you. Mm. Hi, Simon. Thanks for Hi, doing Simon. this. Um, my, my question follows on from the previous one. It's just a specific one about... Um, sort of localization of state-based agents. So um, I've recently located back to Victoria, which I know is kind of in the opposite direction, but my agent is Sydney-based and tends to be more aware of Sydney-based um, productions, which is natural. Do you think it's relative, um, like relevant to have a Victorian contact or should I just stick with my Sydney-based Sydney agent? Um, I think it's our job as agents to know everything that's going on around the country. So I don't think that it is, we've got clients, most of our clients are based in Sydney, to be yeah. honest, but we, our job, I mean, uh, we need to know what's going on at MTC. We need to know what film and television products are shooting in, in Victoria. And we do that by having relationships with the casting directors who are working in the, 
who are working in the Victorian market. So I think the conversation that if you feel that that's a situation, then I think it's a conversation that you need to have with your agent about, yeah. you know, there's work in this market. Are you, you know, you'd need to. Well, like everyone, I've, I've had a yeah. bit of hiatus for a year. Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I've been caring for family, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm just coming back and reactivating things. Mm. Mm. Well, I'd just, I'd see how it goes. I, you know, I'd see how it goes. Yeah, I think you, your agent should have a knowledge of what's shooting down there. You know, okay, and particularly great. now everything's done on the internet in terms of casting. Yeah. You know, that's something that is, you know, easily done. Okay, mm. great. Thank mm. you. You just clarified something for yeah, me. Thanks. Okay, good. I'm pleased. Uh, now, Simon, I've got a question here um, asking on behalf. How can an actor research, find out where they sit in the market, quote, sit in the market, where they fill, quote, holes in the market. Might they ask their agent and then should they, you know, play up that niche or keep themselves open for all types of roles, productions? Well, I think it's, I think it's best to be a blank canvas, to be honest, if you can be. I, I mean, I think it's, that is an interesting conversation and it's a conversation that you should feel free to have with your agent, you know, about how the agent thinks the market might perceive you where you would sit um, where you would, what roles, you know, be best, most likely be considered for and so on. It's a, certainly a conversation and because then it might reveal for you something about, you know, the nature of the relationship with the agent. The agent is, you know, sees you as a leading man, but you see yourself as a character actor or whatever, you know, maybe there, maybe there's a, a, um, a disconnect there that needs to be explored. Thanks. So it's a conversation, I think. It's a conversation. All right. Thank you. Okay, coming up. Hi, Simon. Thank you for your time today. Uh, just, Hi, Audrey. Hello. I just have one question. Um, how do you wish to receive a referral from an industry professional about considering a prospective client? Do you mean like a producer that you've worked with is champion, championing you, for example, well, sometimes, I mean, some agencies have on their website, they don't wish to receive any unsolicited submissions per se. Um, are you open to actors, for example, emailing the general email address? Oh, or yeah, would you absolutely. prefer? Uh, I would never say don't email. I would, I would caution, as I said before, that in the current context, it's tough times. But... Um, at the same time, I'd say, you know, fortune favours the bold, you know, um, you know. Uh, so, you know, the, uh, if an email, as I said, we, we've, all of us review all material. So, and all, yeah, so, yeah, it's, um, it, 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 it would, it, the it goes through our reception and then is circulated to all of the agents. Thanks, Simon. That's very empowering. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, Simon. Hi. Uh, my question goes back to the conversation about diversity and pretty much asking uh, how close are we to start representing people with accents that are not Australian to pretty much reflect the population that speak with different accents? Mm. What do you think? I think that's a long, that's, you know, that's not near, sadly. Um, and indeed, that was one of the things that, you know, um, uh, the, because mo mostly that is an issue with respect to first generation migrants. Um, uh, and, um, and that's where the vast majority of um, discrimination has, I think, occurred to date. Um, and, uh, and um, yeah, it doesn't, sadly, doesn't seem there's much appetite to reflect in um, that on our screens at the, at the moment, um, except in productions where that issue is in play. So if a role is specific, like if, for example, in Stateless, the ABC drama, you know, that issue was obviously in play and so therefore accent wasn't an issue, um, but, mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, I just noticed yeah. that in American productions, it's actually quite visible these days, like oh, yeah. people speaking with all different they're, kinds of They have uh, always accents. been miles ahead of us on this issue, miles ahead of us on this issue. Um, yeah. Sadly, sadly so. I think, I mean, I think it's a, you know, I think it's a heritage issue or probably, you know, going a long way back to, you know, the white Australia policy and, you know, institutionalised racism in this country, um, which is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's about, you know, the heritage of all of that, which um, which uh, continues in, um, you know, the way in which people think, the way in which people are viewed, um, yeah, and it and it needs to be broken down, obviously, um, uh, yeah. So, but I, I, sadly, I think it is. Um, it is, it is, accent is still an issue. And to be honest, I don't think it's just, um, I think it's non-Australian English accents too. For example, if someone comes from New Zealand, they need to get rid of their New Zealand accent to work in yeah. the market here. If someone comes from England, they need to get rid of their English accent to work in the market here. It's a ludicrous situation, really. Yeah, but it, it, yeah, so all, all I mean, yeah, I mean, it's obviously part of the it's part of the conversation, and it needs to change. Thanks for your honest answer. Mm. Appreciate that. Sorry, that's how it is. I guess that's yeah. all right. I'll just mm. keep doing what I'm doing. And you, know, I, and you should, and you should, because it's Thank us you. that needs to change, not you. <laughs> I'll mm. just wait it out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Simon. Uh, Simon, I've got one question that comes up all the time. There's a little bit of a, quite a strong resistance to people to doing self-tests rather than going to the casting director and talking to the and working with the casting director in the room. Have you got sort of advice about about that? I mean, it's, it's sort of like the horse has really bolted, hasn't it? It's too late to... Um, uh, well, I don't know. Or is I don't, it? To be honest, I think at the moment... We're in strange times. Mm -hmm. There's, as I understand it, the Green Australia COVID safe rules don't encourage um, casting in the room. They actively discourage in the room casting to the point where, you know, <laughs> we've had people doing chemistry tests, that is, two people testing opposite each other to, to assess their on-screen on chemistry where it has been done via Zoom. Now that just seems ludicrous to me. Um, you know, uh, I think there are positives and negatives that come out of the, um, the screen tests and I think both need to be acknowledged. One is that there is a potential for more people to test for roles than has ever been the case. Casting directors only have a finite amount of time to have people in the room and it takes them a lot longer to have people, four people in the room in an hour or three people in the room in an hour, they can see a lot more tests. Now then the onus is on us as agents and on performers to um, push the casting directors to see more people for roles. That's our job then to, you know, to maybe they would have only seen 10 people for a role. Maybe they now have uh, time to see 20 people or 30 people for a role. And indeed, I know I've spoken to casting directors who have said as much, you know, that they actually have the ability to see more people for a role now than they have ever had before. Um, the downside is that you don't get that feedback that you get from the casting director when you are in the room. So you don't get the casting director's insight notes and so on that allow you to tailor your offering in a way which is, um, responding to potentially what the casting director knows that the director or producers are seeking from that role. So look, I think, you know, I think there are positives and negatives. I think some of the negatives certainly is that I don't see any point doing a, I don't see any point doing a, um, a, a chemistry test between two people on a Zoom. That makes no sense to me. But if, if we can you know, have more people seen for a role or for roles than has previously been the case, you know, then that's, that, that, that can't be a bad thing. Um, 
it also, from an agent's perspective, means that you're more conscious of the work that your clients are doing. I mean, we, we would not submit clients, you know, when our clients are going in to see casting directors, we don't see the work that they're doing. But now we do. We watch everything. If we think that there's something that they maybe could do better, then we will go back to them and say, look, I think you did a great job with scene two, but on scene one, have you thought about this or have you thought about that? You know, so, you know, I think from an agent's perspective, it actually gives you insight into a client's work too, which may be better insight, which you maybe didn't have before. So, yeah, I think, I think there are positives and negatives. Okay, thank you. Okay, well, I'm about to hand you back to Asabi. Great. Uh, Simon, thank you so much for sitting down with us and having a chat with us today. I have one final question, which could potentially be controversial. I don't know. What are your thoughts on actors having multiple agents? So let's say they have an, an agent that gets them mostly theater work and then an agent that gets them mostly film and TV work, vice versa. What, what are your thoughts on that? I think if everything's it's it's like polyamory. If everything's open, then and you're and you're honest and clear about it, and everybody's happy, then what's the problem? Um, but if people don't feel, uh, if someone, you know, if you don't feel like you're, um, if people are going behind, you know the scenes to, you know, to have another agent, then I don't think that's honest and fair or on anybody. Um, so I think if everybody's upfront and if everybody is honest and we have, you know, yeah, I think if everybody's upfront and honest about the situation, then I don't, and everybody's in agreement, then I don't see a problem. And then if there are areas of disagreement, those should be explored um, to their conclusion, you know. Hmm. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Simon. Thanks for, to everyone for coming out. Thank you, Alex, for hosting us. And well, thank you. Thank you, Alex. To Simon and Asabi for doing this. Thank you, this. Asabi. On behalf of the Equity Foundation, we thank you all. So thank you and to everyone who, who tuned in today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Media Super is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work of the Foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter.